Yes. Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies that are helping you get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus. Hallelujah. And we're so honored and grateful to be a part of that. Uh, Let's jump into the podcast today. So something the Lord put on my heart this entire year. Of course, I pastor a church in Harrison, Arkansas, and our theme this entire year is has revolved around the word of the Lord that came to us in January. And he said to basically concentrate and consecrate yourselves to becoming a glorious people with glorious demonstrations, a spiritual people with spiritual demonstrations. And so we've been unpacking that basically for the majority of this year. Uh, I've done a few podcasts kind of in and around some of the thoughts that have come out of that. But uh, one of the themes is an increase in the spirit of seeing and knowing. Or, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 12, one of the things the Lord was wanting to do or that we would be able to look forward to, we should be anticipating an increase in the re- uh, revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And so I want to kind of touch in a little bit on that today because I believe uh, that it's part of our work. Uh, again, you don't choose your work. You know, the last several weeks we've been talking about this, um, that you're placed in the timeline. That timeline speaks to the work that is for you to do. Jesus chooses your work for you. You yield to it. And so there are some anointings even. There are graces. You don't choose these. Like, you don't arbitrarily say, yeah, I'd like that. Uh, You can't purchase them. They're endowments. And they have to do with the trajectory of work. The, of course, everybody's born into the household of faith if you're born again, but, but there's uh, particular households that have operations, unique giftings and anointings, and then the children of the house or the outworking of that house, the inheritance of, of that house is like uh, kind of like these endowments are passed down. And so there's unique associations with giftings. Um, and so, you know, for whatever reason, uh, part of our trajectory has been in the revelation gifts. Um, there's, there's others, but that's just part of it. But in particularly for the body of Christ, there was um, a minister who prophesied. We believe it was the word of the Lord. But he said that the workers in the field in the last days will have on a uniform, as it were, and that uniform will be a great spirit of seeing and knowing. And so th- the revelation gifts are a part of that. Remember, Daniel prophesied that in the last days that knowledge would increase and abound. This is kind of the knowing. There's a perception. Uh, for example, like 1 John 2.20, uh, I have an unction from the Holy One and I know all things. Well, that would be an increase in knowing. There is revelation insight that comes by way of the Spirit. Your spirit, your born-again spirit, has the mind of Christ. We're coming into a mature operation of that where... You know, we, we use some of these words, but if, if we could say it like this, there's an increase in our ability uh, to tap into how that works. We're knowing how that works. Our confidence is increasing in that work. There's been men and women that have had this confidence long before us, 
But there's an entire generation of people that are coming into a very mature outworking of this. You're not special in that sense. I'm not special in that sense. But we're coming into a time where this is just a part of our work. There's an emphasis in developing this to a full outworking. You and I are going to be led by the Spirit. It says those who are led by the Spirit of God, this is Romans, are the sons of God. The word sons there, Greek word, another translation is maturity. Mature ones are led by the Spirit. You and I should be led by the Spirit. That's where the unction is, and we know all things. If you don't know what to do, don't lean on your natural brain, natural strengths, talents, abilities. But the Bible says in Proverbs, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Well, your spirit is the lamp of the Lord. If he wants to minister to you, speak to you, maneuver you, guide you, lead you, he's going to do that through your spirit. He's going to illuminate your spirit. That disconnect or the slack in that operation is um, going to be no more. I want you to have faith. I want you to be encouraged that your ability to follow the leaning of the Lord is coming into a very mature outworking. It's going to be phenomenal. Because of that, there's going to be an increase in signs, wonders, miracles, demonstrations, manifestations, uh, seeing. This is where discerning of spirits comes in, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. That's going to be on another level. It's going to be operating in from the dimension in which it originated. And your, your and I's ability to distinguish between what is spirit and what is flesh is going to be stronger and more accurate than it's ever been. Hallelujah. These are amazing days, friends. So I want to talk a little bit because it's a part of our unique work. Now, it's possible, probable that if you're listening that the Lord has some other emphasis for you, but if you're connected to us in any way, I think that this is resonating with you. This, this will be a confirmation to you. Generally, I believe it is for the whole body of Christ as well, but also for those of us that are uniquely connected to us, uh, partnerships, interpersonal relationships, ministry connections, and partnerships, I believe that uh, this is definitely a unique part of your outworking as well, and you can release your faith in this. So I wrote something the other day called Seeing the Unseen. And I want to step into this today on the podcast. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says this, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary or transient, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. I mean, uh, it seems a little counterintuitive to be admonished to look for unseen things. But just because it's unseen doesn't mean it's not real. There is a dimensional reality that you and I live in and then a dimensional reality that for most people they are unaware of it because you can't see it with your natural eyes. You can't hear into it with your natural ears. You don't perceive it with natural senses. Uh, it's spiritually discerned and uh, estimated and appreciated and understood. 1 Corinthians tells us that. The Amplified Bible really makes that well uh, clear, but let me read it to you here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me turn there. This wasn't in my notes, but um, let's look at this. If you got a Bible, digital Bible, something. Here he says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Well, let's back up because he's really talking about that there is um, a particular order of revelation among the immature, we, uh, he's, he, he's saying here that we preach Christ and him crucified. We want to make sure that that solid foundation of the work of Christ in you, why, why you know, if, if you are even born again, we need to make sure that that's taken care of because there's spiritual wisdom that doesn't concern you if you're not born again. Well, I'm talking about things 
of the light. Uh, if you're not born again, all you're going to know is the things of the dark, friend. You need to come out of that. Jesus died so you could be delivered from that. Don't delay except Jesus today and walk in the light as children of the light. <clears throat> he's saying there's wisdom among those that are born again. But prior to that, what he says is, is I made it a point to only preach Christ and him crucified until you came to the time, Galatians 4, the time set aside or uh, appointed for you by the Father where you would cross out of or cross into, move away from immature things and embrace maturity. That's a requirement for the time in which you and I live. We need to have embraced the mature things. And so he's saying, until that time, though, we make it a point to preach Christ in him crucified. Then he said, however, in verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age or this dimension. Uh, James chapter 3 makes a very stark distinction between the wisdom that is lowly or earthly and the wisdom that is from above. And there's a test there in John 3, and you can tell the source of which, or the source uh, from which source of wisdom one is drawing from. And, you know, there's several ways to test the spirits, but in James 3, there's another way there because the, the wisdom of the world appeals to the senses. He says it's sensual. doesn't mean it's sexual, but it definitely means that it, it is aimed towards appealing to the natural or the flesh. Listen, friends, that is false wisdom. That's not the wisdom that you want. That's, that's going to keep you tethered or wrapped up or obsessed with the natural realm. That's part of our problem is we need to be spiritually minded. We need to set our uh, focus on the things that are unseen or the things that are in another dimension, not allow the enemy to keep us focused on the things which are seen. All this stuff is transient or it's temporary. Another way of saying that is all this is subject to change. Yet another way of saying that is all of this stuff in the natural realm is easily manipulated. And you can be led around and be totally confused, dizzy actually, by being led around by natural things because the natural realm is a derivative of a spiritual or an unseen influence. And some people are just trapped. That's what it is, actually. The natural realm was never destined to be our sole reality. This realm has been stripped of its supernatural because it's a prison of sorts. It's under the dominion of time, substance, and matter. But in the spirit realm, um, the spiritual reality or eternal life or Zoe life is a dominion life, a life of dominion. Zoe life has dominion over time, matter, and substance. All right, so this is a prison of sorts. This is why it's easily manipulated. Things can appear, this is the power of darkness, by the way, things can appear to be one way, and it may be uh, factual, but what the truth is whatever's influencing it behind the scenes. This is why he's saying don't lean on your own natural senses, your own insight, data that comes in via your natural senses. But he says acknowledge the Lord or acknowledge the spirit realm. And he and he or there or it, the, the spiritual reality via Holy Ghost, your born-again spirit, it will give you a perception or a knowledge or a wisdom to be able to navigate uh, this realm, which is shrouded in darkness. It's the attempted ability to hide a thing in plain sight. That, that's what the power of darkness is. And you and I are not limited to just being led around by the natural senses. Okay. Wow, that was a mouthful. Just to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at this. He's saying we speak wisdom, not of the sage, 
And he says that there are things that eye has not seen. Okay, there's another admonishment right there, reminding us that there is a, there is a reality of things existing that are in a dimension that is not seen by your natural eyes. He says uh, the ear hasn't heard it. It's not even entered into the heart or the imagination of man yet. But these things God has prepared for those that love him. He says, what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man? Okay, hallelujah. He says, what knows the things of God except the spirit of God? For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. All right, now he goes on here in verse 12. But we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak. We could say these things we've been graced or anointed to communicate about is what he's saying. He's saying not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Verse 14, this is where I wanted to go. The Amplified Classic does a really good job here, but the New King James says it like this. But the natural man, the natural man, your natural senses, the flesh, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. Foolish uh, would mean not having the mental capacity for a thing. So he's saying that the natural man doesn't have the capacity or the tooling to understand spiritual things. I think I've said this before, but this is the conundrum that many people find themselves in, especially when um, believing God for something that they can't see, like healing. Because their physical body says, I'm in pain, I'm hurting. It, your physical body kind of jumps to conclusions and says, I'm dying. Well, that may be factual in the natural realm, but see, there's a whole nother consideration. The problem is your body cannot consider by his stripes you were healed. It, it doesn't have the mind to comprehend, understand, perceive, or discern spiritual realities. Only your spirit does. Your spirit has the minister that to the flesh. It's not going to happen the other way around. The natural is not going to minister to the spirit. The natural is a derivative. It, it, it's in the receiving posture of spiritual things. And so your body's going, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And sometimes you can be like, well, just believe you're healed. And your body goes, I don't even know what that is. Because faith is not of the natural. It's not of the heart. That kind of belief and confidence does not originate in the natural realm. The natural man has no capacity for spiritual things. That came by way of your born-again spirit, where suddenly you were moved over into the light, and now you have the mind of Christ and you know all things. Where does that come from? It comes from within. You have senses. You, you have spiritual senses in the real you. You are a multidimensional person. Uh, One-third of you is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. One-third of you is completely spiritual, born again, and now has access to another dimension that your natural, your mind and your physical body has never had access to. And uh, so it, 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 that part of you has to learn to yield to something. And there can be a little bit of tension here, but people are trying to believe God with, their, with, with the natural feelings, emotions. They're trying to believe God with just their brain. You're not going to get there like that. Uh, he says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for those things are foolish to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, the word discerned, I was hoping to get into this at some point. I may be rushing it, but 
the word discern, discern means to see, it means to hear. It means to see and hear. So like in 1 Corinthians 12, the discerning of spirits is not some ability to pick up on the faults of man. No, that's ridiculous. The discerning of spirits is actually the gift by which Holy Spirit demonstrates, and in this situation, it's a situational or as he wills, although he wills to do it. But the discerning of spirits is an endowment by way of Holy Spirit that opens up the spirit realm to where you can see and hear what's going on in the realm of spirits, human spirits, divine spirits, evil spirits. And that is uh, utilizing the eyes, ears, or the senses that your spirit man has. If you were to step out of your, uh, your physical body, by the way, Paul called your physical body a tent. That's not you. In fact, uh, there's, a, there's a spiritual reality associated with it called mort- mortality. The Bible says that one of these days we're going to kick off. This, this hasn't happened yet, by the way, folks. I, there's some teachings that people are running around, here, uh, running around on, on the earth like immortal people. That hasn't happened yet, and it's not going to happen to just one or two. It's going to happen to many all at once. But the Bible says that um, uh, there's a condition associated with your tent, with your physical body. It's called mortality. Mortality means unto death or decaying. One of these days, you're going to put off this tent because this tent isn't you, and you're going to put on a different body, and it's going to be likened unto his, is what the Bible says. It's an immortal body. Immortal is a spiritual condition, and you're going to be able to put that on, and you won't have to deal Galatians you know, 4, Galatians 5. It says the flesh lusteth against the spirit, your spirit against your flesh, because there's two conditions, spiritual conditions, that have to uh, cohabitate right now. Your spirit's born again, but your flesh only knows death, and so this is why you don't want the flesh to have dominance in your life because it's only going to minister to your death. And it's going to be sick and broke all the time. That's what it's going to talk about. That's what it's going to know. If you let it um, have influence, if you bring it into the table uh, for wisdom and counsel, it's only going to counsel pain, lack, defeat. This is why you got to put your body in the right place. Paul said, I discipline it and I put it under. Under what? I put it under the, the, the authority of my spirit, man. And out of my spirit is where the laws that govern spirits that have Zoe life in them, this is where healing flows from. There are certain laws that are available to you as a born-again spirit. One of the things you can do is minister health and healing to your physical body. Uh, that's in Romans as well. Quicken. It'll quicken the mortal body. If you let your flesh, though, have dominance in your life, it's going to say it's broke, sick, and dying, and that's where it intends to go. And if you let your body do that, it's literally going to do that. And when that body dies, when it's completely um, just runs out, when it runs out of energy, when it runs out of health, when it breaks down, when it embraces sickness, disease, decay, destruction, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you let this body die on you, you're going to be ejected, and you're going to be in heaven if, if, uh, if you're born again, but you will have left work unfinished. There's rewards associated with finished works, and so you don't want to die prematurely. And people have all these doctrines that are based around the sovereignty of, of God. Well, you know, either God's keeping me here or he's taking me out. No, 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 no. You're working together with him to finish the work. 
And he's also given you the ability to minister life and healing to your physical body. We're not judging anybody. What I'm saying is I'm talking to the land of the living, but he's given you the, uh, the ability to minister to that body, to keep it in functioning order so you can finish your race. You can't finish your race without your physical body. And right now, you can't exchange this thing for immortality yet. Okay, that, that is for a time that hasn't happened yet. So if people are running around going, I'm immortal, well, then they are being deceived because no, they are not. This physical body has mortality associated with it. And one way you know that is because it has desires that are contrary. It has lusts that are contrary. It wants to do things that your spirit man does not. As long as you're still, uh, you know, fighting that battle of obeying God, you know you have not received immortality yet. Okay. Hallelujah. So there is a spirit man on the inside of you. This is where I was trying to go. If you were to step out out of this body, what would you look like? Well, you would look like you, minus the decay, minus the, um, uh, you know, it says that though my outward man, though my outward man, my tent perish, my inward man is being renewed day by day. So you would look like you minus that association with mortality. And so that may have degraded your appearance some. The point is, you as a spirit being, you feel all in all, so you look like you. You look like you. And um, you're a little bit better version of what you look like here. So that is to say that you have the senses that you are familiar with naturally. But one part of you is kind of uniquely associated with this fallen natural realm and its limitations. That's what we say is your natural senses, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell, etc. But your spirit man that's been born again is uniquely associated because the Bible says you're born from above, okay, is uniquely associated and equipped to be able to pick up on sight, cell, uh, sight smell, hearing, touch, etc. in the spirit realm. And these two kind of mash up, and there's a little bit of tension there. But you're not going to see spiritual things with these natural eyes. You're going to see spiritual things with the eyes of your spirit. And in Proverbs, it says that the seeing eye and the hearing ear both are gifts from the Lord. Why are these gifts? Because you need them to be able to see in the dimension in which he exists, in which he is Lord and king and ruler over all. Hallelujah, somebody. Um, So this is where we want to go. We are admonished to look for the unseen things. Things that are unseen are hidden. These are Bible mysteries. But Bible mysteries are things that are hidden, but they're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. And uh, God conceals things in order to bring them into your awareness at some point. And in order to see those mysteries, now we can have things uh, manifest for example, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There is a uh, way that things can be manifested tangibly here on the earth, creative miracles, countless stories, thousands upon thousands upon ten thousands upon hundreds of thousands of creative uh, miracles have taken place. You know, even in Bible days, Jesus um, healed blind people, even people that were born blind, meaning they didn't even have Something happened right after conception. Uh, the Greek word would be, har, ha, it, it's either har, harmatia or ha, hamartia. I'm not sure how you 
say it. That's an interesting study. It's even embraced by the uh, medical field. But um, something happened right after conception. It was when the new spirit from the Lord got put into the seed in the earth and that life in the earth, that fetus here in the earth, sin got in there and corrupted something. So, for example, the guy that was born blind, he wasn't put in there. The Lord didn't put him in there blind. Uh, when he was conceived by the Lord, say, God gave him seeing eyes and ears. But it's when that transaction between spirit entered into natural the natural realm is where sin was. That's where sin came in and corrupted something, even on a DNA level right after conception. And so he was born blind. Well, Jesus did a creative miracle and restored him. <coughs> restored what? The gift of the seeing eye and the hearing ear. Okay, so uh, all these creative miracles, these uh, restorative miracles are part of the kingdom. Jesus said, tell people that the kingdom has come nigh, that the kingdom of heaven is a powerful kingdom. And if you'll yield to it, it'll exert dominance into this reality. Hallelujah. And uh, it's kind of on a situational in this sense that you have to receive it. Notice Jesus didn't force it on everybody. He surely didn't force it on those who didn't want it. But this is the unique thing about the kingdom in this dispensation is that you tell somebody about it and from the heart they receive it and something internal transforms, and now the kingdom is present because it's within. Hallelujah. And that dominion of, 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 of that kingdom can uh, right wrongs. There is power there. Raise the dead, heal lepers, um, you know, heal, heal the sick, um, heal eyes, open up deaf ears, heal broken hearts. It's powerful. Um, but in order to have a image or in order to visualize that realm, in order for the unseen thing to be seen, what he's saying is here, you're going to have to use the eyes of your spirit. All right, so let's come back. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. We don't look at the things which are seen. Listen, you're, you, you, you've already seen that. Now, there might be some things in the natural realm that you haven't seen yet. You know, places on the face of the earth that you've never visited. But for the most part, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> right? You know, you've seen water, you've seen water. What we're saying is not that there's not amazing things to be seen or to behold on the face of the earth. What we're saying is, though, our admonishment is not to just travel around the natural realm uh, looking to put eyes on things that we haven't seen before. He's saying, I want you to look into the spirit realm because that's where things abide that are eternal. All this stuff here is subject to change at any moment. You know, you can go to this beautiful scene somewhere, but a storm, a hurricane, a volcano, an earthquake, and it could all change. None of this is, is eternal. All this is temporary. So you may have seen something, but next time you come back around there, the landscape could be completely different. That's transient. He's saying the things in the natural are like that. They're kind of living between this tension of suddenly being completely altered into something else. But the things in which are eternal, they will never change. They are always constant. That's why that realm has such dominion over this realm. So he says, he's admonishing us, look to the unseen things. Again, there is another realm, a dimension, and or a reality that the Bible says actually has a greater influence or an impact on what we see with our natural eyes. 
This passage that I read is letting us know that the things which are visible to us now in the natural are temporary, uh, easily manipulatable. That's very important. You don't want to forget that because things are subject to the power of darkness. What is the power of darkness? Again, I mentioned it earlier, but it's the attempted ability to hide a thing in plain sight. Um, there are some things which cannot be altered as, as far as like um, the matter being altered, especially if something of the kingdom has taken dominion over that space. But if it's still under the lordship or under the power of darkness, things can be manipulated, adjusted, altered, because this realm lives under the dominion of substance, matter, and time. These things can be um, significantly manipulated because of that reason. And the God of this age is supernatural. He's a supernatural being of sorts. And he knows some of the laws. And he knows that that realm can have great dominion over this realm. This is why, um, you know, these spiritual, you know, these witches, warlocks, etc. you know, these those that play around with dark powers, this is why they can, you know, move stuff. You know, they can take a, a lighter and move it over in some somebody's pocket. And, you know, this is why spells and incantations and all these kinds, kinds of things have a force on people because this realm's manipulated by that spiritual influence. Again, though, the higher power, power of the light, has a dominion over this realm as well. You know, you can't force that on people. What I'm saying is, though, this realm is subject to change. You, you understand. In Psalm 107, verse 20, he said he sent his word and it healed them. The word word is the Hebrew word debar, and it's the ability to rearrange matter, substance, or things. You understand? He upholds all things by the word of his power. This is why on the dark side, they do all these, it's like a false tongue. There's all these words, these sayings, these incantations, these riddles, these rattles, these rolling of the words. Uh, that is, that is a um, that is a uh, uh, natural connection that is making an agreement with a spiritual force that allows that manipulative power over the situation. So we're saying that we want the truth, so we can look at the natural. Let's say um, a physical condition, and we say, "Hey, look, we know that the natural was manipulated by sin and death." Just because it's factual, though, just because I have a sickness in my body doesn't mean that that's the truth of the matter. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So if I can get his words on the situation, just like sin and death manipulated the natural, there's a sickness, a disease, a degradation. I can get his word on it, and I can enforce the power of his word, and I can adjust or change or restore what was manipulated back to original intent. Hallelujah, somebody. So the spiritual realm has been veiled. Several reasons, but the primary one, in my opinion, is that the natural realm was cut off from the super abilities of light and life and has become a prison of sorts. Uh, you and I, in some ways, prior to coming to Christ, we were in bondage. Remember that? We were slaves sold under sin. Um, this is a prison of sorts cut off from the supernatural abilities of light and life and bound under time and matter. It was never intended that you and I would live under the effects or and or the degradation of sin. But we've been given a helper, 
Holy Spirit, by the way, whose primary relationship to us is one of revelation or the work of revealing, unveiling, disclosing, and opening up. We are coming to realize um, that part of our work is to really dig into visualizing, laying eyes on that which has previously been unseen. Now, there are others who have moved in this, lived in this. It's been common for them, but I'm talking about an entire generation who's coming into a full operation that is um, kind of betwixt, like Paul said. He said, in the body, out of the body, I don't know. I think you and I are coming into a time. uh, I'm not saying we're completely right in the middle of it yet, but we're definitely uh, migrating, transitioning. Um, to where that will be a reality, like in the body, out of the body, we don't know. What is that? Well, that tension between recognizing natural. I mean, you and I are very good at that. You know, we are Captain Obvious, uh, okay? I mean, because we are intimately aware of this natural realm. What we haven't been as familiar with is interacting via seeing and hearing and knowing, perceiving fully with all spiritual senses that other dimension simultaneously. We've heard stories. There are people that have developed um, their seeing. But I'm talking about generally for everybody to no longer live necessarily with the tension of this is the dominant and that this spiritual reality is occasional. I think it's coming to where we're going to maneuver in both equally. At least that's where I'm intending. Hallelujah. I'm going to be like Paul in the body, out of the body. I just didn't know. I'm just getting stuff done. Hallelujah. It doesn't really matter. But when that dimension is uh, unveiled, when your spiritual senses become keen, what happens is that realm overlays on top of this one. This is how you begin to see angels say, um, you know, that you would see an angel standing there. Well, how would you see it? Because of the discerning of spirits. Like you are aware of what's happening simultaneously in that spiritual dimension because your senses have become Cain, you're utilizing another set of eyes and ears. You're utilizing another set of senses that have been previously uh, foreign to you. You've been not as acquainted with them. And so you only see this one dimension laid out in front of you. But you understand that there is all kinds of activity behind the scenes in the unseen realm. And so when those eyes and ears begin to function in you, in, in you as the gifts that they were created to be for, for you, you're going to start seeing other things, other characters, other players. You're going to start seeing other actors. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, they're not actors, but you're going to start to see this other dimension laid over top of this one. And what that's going to do is it's going to bring such an awareness of perception because uh, foresight or vision is your strategic advantage. You know, he says, I'm the provider. I mean, he's given us eyes and ears that can see ahead. Listen, having that other dimension opened up to you is really a strategic advantage to those that are born again. So um, in Matthew 13, 16, it says this, your eyes are privileged for they see. Delighted are your ears for they are open to hear all these things. Listen, having that realm uh, opened up unto you. And uh, listen, I'm connecting very strongly that these gifts were given to you for a reason. Everybody has these eyes and ears. Every, everybody is a spirit. Now, you may not be born again, 
But if you're born again, you are a spirit. And that spirit, you, you, this isn't just something you picked up at a thrift store. No, it is the real you. There are spiritual senses associated with that. You have eyes and ears. Those eyes and ears of your spirit are designed to see spiritual things. So he's saying, blessed are your eyes and blessed are your ears because they see and hear. This awareness provides a strong ability to divide, separate, and distinguish between because we clearly see. This is something you and I will need if we're not going to be led around in the realm of the sleight of hand and manipulations. That's a natural realm. Listen, can you imagine these people that are so spiritually keen, spiritually astute, spiritually strong, spiritually mature, eyes and ears open, that they are walking into a situation that the demonic realm has tried to set up because they're manipulating behind the scenes, but yet because you have clear sight, you know exactly what's going on. You can see the spirits that are involved in the realm that was previously unseen to you. You would walk into a situation and you just, you know, you see Tommy and Sally sitting there and Tommy and Sally are saying something, you're hearing them with your natural ear, but what you don't see it, or what you previously have been aware, haven't been aware of is whispering in their ears these demonic spirits conjuring these strategies of lies and deceit against you. Well, if you walk into a situation and you can clearly see, because you have the, the, the discerning of spirits seeing and hearing in the spirit realm, you can clearly see these demon players behind the scenes I think that's going to adjust your response. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Hallelujah. See, that the power of darkness previously has kept those spiritual beings shrouded from your sight, from your sight. You haven't been able to see them. That's the power of darkness. Again, I realize that most people are not very familiar with how to utilize their spiritual eyes and ears. But I am confident, though, that most born-again believers have had at least one or two experiences where they have seen or heard something vividly that was spiritual, but they may not know how to duplicate or replicate it again. I believe, again, that we're living into a demonstration of spiritual things that will bring as part of its outworking an increase in seeing and knowing. You will be able to obey the command of Scripture as it implores us to look at the unseen things. My spiritual father Kenneth Hagin received this word in the 90s, and I mentioned it earlier. Let me read it to you. Of course, this isn't uh, the entire word, but this is a snippet of it. Those positioned to be workers in the field in the last days will have upon themselves a uniform, as it were, that which clothes them as they go about Father's business. It will be a great spirit of seeing and knowing. This endowment will give way to great faith, and great faith will be the cause of great demonstrations, manifestations, signs, and wonders. The Lord went on to say, no one has seen yet the measure that will be manifest in these days, and as a result, the working of miracles shall be uh, in full orbit. Gifts of healings will manifest like showers of rain. They will fall here, here, and over there. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. You've seen a little, but in that hour, you shall see more. So understand that this is for us. I believe it's part of our work to have this increase in discerning, seeing, hearing, and knowing what is happening behind the veil. Let me leave you with some practical things to help you get started uh, developing your ability to see and hear. Again, I believe this is for everybody. Now, there may be those that will demonstrate in a greater measure, but we're not comparing 
Uh, we're simply going to the Scripture, looking at the Scripture as if we were the only ones that it was speaking to, and we're saying it's admonishing us to see and hear. We're told to look after the unseen things. And so um, that's, you know, that's just a few Scriptures. There's dozens that would get us started. But I want you to know that even though you may not operate you know, in, in, in this in a measure, you know, whoever you're comparing yourself to, um, you are still admonished to move in it and operate in it. Um, number, number one thing here to consider is it will require your imagination. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. The word mind there is the Hebrew word for imagination. It's translated imagination in other places. Again, the word mind here, the Hebrew word yetzer, it's the word translated imagination. Your imagination is the gateway to the spiritual realm. You might immediately understand why the mind then is the prime real estate that the enemy has always been after. He's been fighting you for. He seeks to conquer the mind. This is why the Bible admonishes us in Corinthians to cast down arguments, theories, reasoning. Why? Because he's after the mind. He's after the mind. If he can get your mind, then he can get your physical body in obedience to him. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their what? Their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on what? The things of the Spirit. That Hebrew word, yetzer, is translated imagination. It's also translated conception. It is in the mind that one conceptualizes or visualizes an unseen thing. The imagination is the inbuilt tool that God put in you that conceives, conceptualizes, or visualizes an unseen thing. We could say it like this, that the mind uses the imagination as the tool or mechanism by which it conceives a vision of an unseen thing. The American Heritage Dictionary defines imagination as this, the process by way of the ability or power to form, an to form an image of something that is not present to the natural senses or not considered to be real. Um, we need to also add this uh, as a, as a um, uh, cooperative revelation, and that's vision. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines vision as something unseen imagined to be seen. So all these terms are working together. The imagination is the mechanism by which you begin to visualize an unseen thing. So we can say it like this, that your spirit man utilizes the imagination in order to see that dimension. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines vision as the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination. Several other dictionaries define vision as conception via imagination, and then this one, the image of something produced by imagination. So again, the imagination is the mechanism by which you conceptualize or visualize an unseen thing or a thing that is not perceived by your natural senses. The American Heritage Dictionary defines vision as the experience of seeing something that is not, in fact, present to the eye or is supernatural. So I think you're getting the point here that the imagination is a powerful tool. In fact, it's God's inbuilt way for you and I to intentionally see unseen things. The imagination is a powerful tool. But be aware, though, that it can be usurped. It can be usurped 
Um, the imagination is seeded. Uh, there are catalysts. Words can be catalysts. This is why he says he upholds all things by the word of his power. His word becomes catalytic for the imagination. So the adverse is true, that the words of the enemy, lies, deceits, deception, these things can be catalysts to your imagination. If you listen to the word of the Lord, your imagination begins to visualize what he's saying. If you listen to the word of a demon, your imagination begins to visualize whatever that demon is saying, and they know the power of the imagination. People have been taken into places in the spirit realm that they didn't need to go because they were communicating with an evil spirit. People have seen things that they probably wish they had never seen, but it's because they gave themselves over to fellowshipping with evil spirits. This is why we want to stay with the word, his word. We want to stay with the Bible. We want to stay with the Holy Ghost. Uh, We want to stay with the things of the light. Now, let me close with this. If you are somewhere in your imagination and you cannot locate Jesus or you cannot locate the light of his word, you are somewhere in your imagination you do not need to be. Listen, the Bible says to guard your heart above all things because out of it flow the issues of life. You need to guard your imagination, friends. The devil would love to take you into places and show you things and wrap you up in a whole bunch of darkness, deceit, trickery, uh, demonic things. Don't go there, friends. But remember, the Lord also utilizes the imagination in order to bring you into the awareness of things, spiritual things, that previously with your natural senses you could not visualize. Hallelujah. Well, I think we're going to... uh, Bring it to a close there. I hope you got something out of today, friends. I want to encourage you to um, dig into this. We've spent the majority of this year at Grace City Church communicating along these lines. We have um, several messages uh, that you could go back into our archives, gracecitychurch.tv, and uh, go to the message archives, and you can um, dig in to this. But uh, listen, this is for you, and it's part of our work. So we're navigating this cautiously, but with great enthusiasm as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. If we could help you in any way, it would be our honor to do so. You can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv and let us know if we can agree with you in prayer. Also, I want to say thank you to those who have supported the podcast through your prayers, through your financial contributions. It pays it forward. And we say thank you. If you want to participate in contributing to the podcast, several ways you can do that. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, or you can text the give 84321. That's 84321. Or you can mail a check PO Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.